Hey everybody, welcome to the Masterclass Podcast. My name's Cam Brennan. This is Dave Hogue, right here to my right. Uh, this is episode 16. Uh, we do this on a pretty regular basis. Uh, once a week, in fact, right Dave? Yep. And this week we thought we'd try something a little bit different. We are right now broadcasting live on Periscope. Welcome internet to my office. We have our first question. We have our first question. All right, what is it? Do we think midgets are devils? <laughs> No, no, I do not think midgets are devils, not at all. I would have to say no. As no, well to that I, I don't think there's any biblical precedent for that. Um, so no, midgets are not devils. <laughs> we said okay, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my goodness! Yes, thank no. you for joining with us. I was hoping fun. we were gonna get gonna get started with a fun question like that. That was yes. entertaining. So let me sign that back up so I can actually see. Ooh, what does that say? Uh, their little hands scare this person. Oh, that's unfortunate. I don't have little hands, so. so but anyways, we won't scare you. So uh, we want this time to just kind of be an opportunity for folks to ask questions. We've come prepared with a few questions just in case, you know, no one joins in, which would be sad. But we're gonna sit here for a while and see what happens. And they'd like to know about your flag in the background. Oh, that is that is the Rampart Lion of Scotland, in there in the background. Uh, my grandparents came to the America in the 50s, so my mom is 100% Scottish. Uh, I am 50% as such, hence why my face looks so white right now. <laughs> uh, so it's just a part of family heritage. Scots are cool. Agreed, and very, very good looking. <laughs> All right, Dave, should we kick it off with a question? Sure. All right, uh, let's start with a real easy question here. Uh, who's Jesus? Who is Jesus? Um, well, I, I think one of the first things I would say about Jesus is he is a real person that lived uh, in time and space here on earth. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that if you look at uh, somebody acknowledging that he is my Lord and Savior, so All right. I would have to agree with that. Yes. So, yes, he's a very real person. He was a human being, flesh and blood, that lived here on the earth, and um, that he was flesh incarnate mm -hmm. God. And then we have a question, Is was Jesus black or white? He was and Jewish. He was Jewish. So he was somewhere in between. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was Jewish, so probably olive-skinned, uh, very, you know, Hebrew-looking would be my guess. Not quite what the paintings have him portrayed as, I would assume. Yes. And then we have a question of, does it matter what color Jesus was? I think in the grand scheme of things, probably not. I would say probably not. Uh, I think that, that he came as a Jew because the Jews had been God's people throughout you know, the history of Scripture, and so it would make sense that he came as a Jew, but that does, does not mean that Jews are better than white folks or black folks or Asian folks. Um, it just so happened to be that's what it was. Yes. So I don't really think that, that God plays one race over another like humans love to do. No. All right, so continuing on with who uh, Jesus Yes. It's uh, a very long answer. <laughs> uh, so in addition to being our Lord and Savior, I do believe that he uh, was completely man and he was completely God. And that is probably one of the uh, challenging things uh, to completely wrap your head around. Um, yeah, Jesus is love. He has no color. Um, that is probably true now, but... When he was here on earth, he definitely was a race, and he was a, a Hebrew. Yes. So, uh, 
So anyway, what was my thought about fully man, fully God? Yeah, that real easy part of being fully God and fully man at the same time. Very, very simple. But I think what I would have to say is, is um, I don't want to serve a God that I can put in a box and uh, completely understand. <laughs> Does that say what I think it says? It does say what you think. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Jesus was not a midget. Uh, although if he was, I'm not sure it really would have made that much of a difference. Um, but yeah, he was not, he was not murdered because he was a midget. He, he was murdered because he, he shook up the, uh, entire view of, of God and religion in his day. All right. Any other thoughts on who Jesus was? Um, yeah, I think that, um, kind of going back to what the person had said earlier about Jesus being love, um, I think that it's very easy to get caught up in the uh, the legalistic side of who Jesus was or what Jesus said, um, and you know, uh, well, if you say that he was a white guy, or you say that he was a Jew, or you say that he wasn't fully like there's there's obviously some some things that oh god, where am I going with this? Uh, this is weird. I'm not used to doing this live. I know. <laughs> uh, let me backtrack. To say that Jesus' love is correct. Jesus showed that love for us when he willingly allowed himself and gave himself up to be murdered uh, on our behalf. Um, and he did that for everybody that is willing to accept that they are not perfect and that they do need a savior. Um, so yeah, Jesus is love in, in every sense, I would say. Yeah. And then we have a person saying that, but that people say he was just made up, uh, for people to, to worship and turn to, um, well, if he was made up, he's the most powerful fictional character of all time. Uh, if you think about it, even if you're not a Christian, the way that we count our years is still dictated upon this fictional character named Jesus. Whether you call it before Christ in Anno Domini or before current era and current era, either way, that, that still pivots upon when Jesus was born. Um, so if he was fictional, then he is quite possibly, not quite possibly, he's most definitely the most fictional character of all time with millions and millions of people following his teachings throughout eternity um, and creating one of the most powerful things on the planet being the church. So... If you want to put him in the same category as Mickey Mouse, I just feel like you've got a lot of things to disprove or account for when it's much simpler to say he was a real dude. And if you look at the historical facts, it's overwhelmingly convincing that there was a man named Jesus that lived in Israel at this time and caused these sorts of things to happen. Now, whether you choose to believe that he rose from the dead is a different story, but those people that deny that Jesus ever existed um, have a lot, a lot, a lot to explain. All right, I just completely missed one of the questions that was up there. Well, I'll resend that question. We missed it. Sorry. <laughs> I got on a little bit of a rant. It's a big topic in the South. Oh, really? That's, yeah. That's what we're... Hmm. I did not know that, that that Jesus was a fictional. Yeah, I mean, I've never really run into that. Um, we have another person okay. that says they're in the South. So, Johnson 849. Well, welcome for hello from the center of the United States. <laughs> We're in Kansas City. We're about as central as it gets. 
How do you feel about pastors making millions on Christ? Oh, boy. You've hit a hot topic. <laughs> Especially with these two guys oh, right here. Uh, I think that pastors should get paid um, an appropriate amount of money based on the community that they live in and serve. I think that people that are making millions of dollars while people in their church struggle to eat is absolute insanity. Um, so I, I don't think it's wrong for pastors to be paid well. They are professionals with high education and high responsibilities placed upon them. But I, I do take um, issue with pastors that are making or living lives that are extravagant while folks in their congregation are struggling to pay their bills. Um, that disparity doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I and I I guess I'd go so far as to say it doesn't even have to be millions. If yeah, if a pastor is living um, beyond uh, what they really need, and again, I'm not not even going to say that they shouldn't be paid well. They shouldn't be paid for no, I think on a comparable level of what they would get paid for for being in in the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it goes above and beyond, that really needs to be given back and. Um, ultimately it's, you know, God is the one who blesses and, um, we need to not forget that and think that it's something that we're doing. And I think that's another thing that you sort of see sometimes is that, uh, pastors tend to, um, I don't know, think they have an entitlement to it. And, uh, I don't believe that's necessarily the case. Yeah. I think my biggest issue is I grew up in Detroit, um, in a lot of the, uh, city churches, um, the pastor has his own parking spot out front. He's rolling up in a brand new Cadillac, dressed to the nines, and there's homeless folks in the back that can't even get a meal. The church doesn't have outreach or food pantry or anything like that. And so this pastor is rolling up in a $60,000 car in a $2,000 suit, preaching about how good God is, and these homeless people can't even get a meal from the very church that is saying these same things. And so that, to me, is where the disparity is. is it, it, just, it upsets me greatly. Um, so I I don't think it's wrong that pastors get paid well because they're educated and they're serving people and they're doing a lot. But again, I'm going to repeat myself here when the disparity is so great, it, it, it sends a completely inaccurate message of what the gospel is about and what the church should be about when that's the situation. So that's just my two cents and my experience growing up in Detroit. So, yep. Anyways, I mean, it's, it, I guess it's similar in the suburbs, but it's maybe the disparity is a little, and it's covered I, up more. And I guess, you know, with us, you know, talking about Jesus and, and Christianity and that sort of thing, we clearly believe an eternal perspective. And ultimately, I think those people are going to be answer, are going to have to answer uh, for how they live their lives and how they spent that money. And um, for that matter, um, I live pretty comfortably myself, so... Mm-hmm. I uh, probably need to be a little bit careful how harshly I judge others because, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I go without very little, if anything at all, in my yeah. life. And there are clearly people, um, you know, um, could benefit from the money that I have and probably could share more than I do. So uh, I don't have a Rolex. Um, and then the question that was before that was, how do we feel about churches that use snakes in their sermons? <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of people from the South, I'm assuming, watching this. Uh, I have never been to a church where they use snakes in the sermon. Uh, on the surface, it kind of weirds me out having um, no 
real experience with all of the all I've really seen about that has been in the movies and it's always been made me uncomfortable but then again you know most things in movies are, are, are misportrayed I I would have to know a lot more about why and what the snakes are used for like it's just weird to me I don't know yes. but snakes freak me out anyways I don't like them well it scares them more than midgets so <laughs> Which, uh, I'm the same way. Like, one of my uh, biggest fears is snakes, so yeah. uh, you're not going to see me uh, handling no. snakes in a church. I, I, you know, I, I guess I'm skeptical of it. I don't I don't see a whole lot of value to it. It seems like it's show to me. Um, you know, yeah. uh, do I think God can use it? Sure. Uh, but it I'd just... I'd rather he used puppies instead of snakes. <laughs> that would be better. Uh, we do have a question, though. My sister just texted me. Oh, that's cool. And this is my sister, Katie. Um, she says, do you use other structured prayers besides the Lord's Prayer, like a novena or a prayer labyrinth? Dave? Do I use? Do we? Does anyone? A a prayer, uh, say that, what was it? A prayer? Prayer labyrinth? Prayer labyrinth. There's a church uh, on Metcalf and like 101st maybe Mm -hmm. that says, come walk our labyrinth. And I've always wanted to do it. It's 103rd and all. Yeah, there we go. No, my bad. Uh, so, no, I, I don't... One of our listeners says that the snake's for show, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there we go. Good. Uh, so, Katie, uh, Lord's Prayer, um, and then a lot of the times, the Psalms. Um, I'll pray through some of the Psalms, especially, like, if I'm having a rough day, I'll go find one of the Psalms where David's having a rough day and just kind of use that to reflect. Um, I've never done... I've done a prayer walk with the youth group before. We did that once or twice where we post sort of... Um, questions or situations to pray for or people in your life to pray for. Um, but I would say on a regular basis, yeah, probably the Lord's Prayer would be the most common. And then um, the Psalms, like I don't do the Rosary or the Hail Mary. I'm not Catholic or anything like that. So No, and that's, I I have not traditionally used the Psalms for prayer, and I'm learning how to do that. Mm-hmm. And kind of, uh, oh, I think it was... Um, Maybe Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I can't remember who it was. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Life Together maybe was talking about uh, praying the Psalms or the Psalter. And mm-hmm. um, that struck me because I did not grow up in a church doing that or hearing that. And so I'm, I'm learning how to do that. I'm learning that there's this element of praying the Psalms that is like bigger than me mm-hmm. and kind of coming in uh, concert with... Um, other Christians who are praying the same or reading the same thing and they're being like unison, unis, you, why can I not talk? <laughs> uh, unison amongst those uh, who are praying those. So uh, we did have a question about what kind of church that uh, we attend. And uh, I'm presently at a, a non, non-denominational church uh, that uh, Sunday morning kind of has a seeker orientation in terms of uh, maybe people who have left the church and are looking to come back or did not grow up in church or who, um, through over the course of their life, um, a more traditional church has not met their needs. Mm-hmm. And so that's what um, the church that I go to uh, seeks to be is is basically a church for the non-churched or the unchurched. Mm-hmm. And, uh pointing people at how you do this thing called Christianity. 
the church that I am currently at uh, is Baptist by theology, but not Baptist by name. Um, they're, they can, they consider themselves non-denominational, but in every other possible way, they're a Baptist church. Um, the church that I'm about to help plant, which, <laughs> surprise, <laughs> that's news, um, is going to be a lot like what Dave said. Uh, Sunday morning is going to be very, uh, oriented towards new Christians or those that are just trying to figure out what it is that the Bible says and who Jesus is. Um, and then stuff during the week is going to be geared toward folks that have been Christians for a while and, and growing deeper in community and in the knowledge of scripture. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Yes. And we had a comment about going to a laid back church where the pastor rolls up on a Harley. Every <laughs> There's Sunday. one of those here in town and it, what they have a biker week once a year and they put bikes in the sanctuary. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, they, but they do it. So very cool to be able to ride up on a Harley, but that's, I don't yeah, happen to have one. So. No, I, I don't think my scooter would be welcome at such a <laughs> biker rally. Got 49 cc's. Watch out. Look out. All right, my sister texted another question because mm-hmm. she doesn't have Twitter, which is totally cool. But Katie, you should get Twitter. Um, she says, thanks, this is pretty cool. Another question, do either of you donate to secular charities? Absolutely. Yes. Um, one of the, one of the, my favorite uh, charities out there is Kiva, and they make microloans to folks around the world. Ooh, cool. And when you, and it's K-I-V-A dot O-R-G, and um, you can pretty much donate anywhere around the world, uh, even the United States. They, they have loans that go to folks in the United States. And now you can donate the money and get it paid back and not have to, or I guess you loan the money and you get it back. Mm-hmm. And um, with Kiva, what I choose to do is I choose to um, donate my loans as they get paid back. So that's one of my favorite, but there are others. So mm-hmm. um, Special yeah. Olympics. <laughs> oh, yeah. T- uh, Special Olympics. Taylor was a big proponent of Special Olympics. They hosted the regionals every year. Um, it was really cool. Um, yeah, I think for me, if, if I'm going to donate time or money or um, material things to a cause, it's not necessarily to me whether it's a Christian or secular organization as much as what is the goal of the organization. And now obviously I'm bent towards, like if, if I have two organizations that are going to feed the homeless, I'm probably going to give to the Christian one because they're going to feed them and share the gospel as opposed to just feed them. Um, but yeah, whether if it's a secular uh, charity, that that's definitely not a deal breaker whatsoever um, because there are certain secular organizations that do things so much better than some Christian organizations do that it's worth donating time and money and effort into those like Red, uh, Red Cross uh, and all of the health stuff that they do or like my sister worked for Project Peanut Butter for a while like I would that would be an organization that I would give time money and effort to because of the good stuff that they're doing with the World Health Organization regardless of whether it's Christian or um, secular so yeah yes um a question about should uh, churches be tax-free? What do you mean should they be tax-free? Like should dona- tax, should donations guessing, to churches? I'm wondering if it means should churches have tax exemption? Like should churches oh. not have to pay taxes? Okay. Well, as someone who used to work for the church... Tax-exempt, yeah. Uh, it was really nice to have my housing allowance tax-exempt. That made the small salary I got paid go a lot further. Um, 
so things like my my rent and, and then my mortgage, uh, utility bills, maintenance, upkeep, all of that stuff could be qualified as um, my housing allowance. And that, that portion of my salary was tax exempt. And then the other portion of my salary was just my pay part, and that part was taxed. Um, you know, and as a young married guy, it was really nice to be able to, you know, take that, you know, $38,000 salary including benefits and everything, and make it stretch a bit further because that certain portion wasn't taxed. Um, that being said, I, I, I'm not really uh, up to date on, on the tax laws for religious organizations, but I do know that if you... Because most churches are 501c3s, which is a tax-exempt organization. And so if you're going to break 501c3 down into religious and non-religious groups, then you're going to get into some real, to some real sticky water. And we might get there. I, I think in 10 years, if churches are still tax-exempt and, and pastors still get to you know, have their housing loans tax-exempt, I, I, I would be shocked if that's not changed in the next 10 years. Yeah. I just think the way that this country is headed as far as um, legislature is concerned and, and what is um, permissible and impermissible um, – I wouldn't be surprised if, if that is no longer the case in the next decade. Yeah, and I, I guess personally, I'm I'm for churches, um, I'm I'm for churches being tax exempt. Um, now, obviously, if that is being abused, then, then <laughs> which never needs, happens, right, yeah, Dave? Then it needs to be uh, taken away. And I think it's just like anything uh, in government. Um, you know. Um, there's there's good intentions behind just about everything that's done, mm -hmm. and there's probably a, a significant percentage of people that you know, um, just like anything, it's a, it's it's a small minority that tends to abuse or to ruin things for everybody else. And so, uh, yeah, I don't have a strong objection to churches being tax exempt, um, but if it is if it's abused, then it needs to be taken away. So, and, you know, and then there are those sort of like, is it really a church? Is it really a nonprofit? You know, people trying to get around yeah. the system. And I think that's, that, that's going to be, that's government. That is just, you know, unfortunate um, part of bureaucracy in, in the world that we live in. So, and again, like we mentioned earlier, they're going to be answerable to their, <laughs> their actions. So sometimes it's not always up to us to worry about whether people get it, what they deserve in this world or not. Yeah, that's a hard that's a hard uh, uh, thing to let go of, though. Yeah, when when you see people abusing the system and taking advantage of it, well, I don't I don't think we should just ignore injustices. I definitely think we have an obligation to. Right, but if you pursue it to the full extent of the law and they're still found to be, you know, not guilty, then even though you know it, it right, there's sure. Yeah. Anyhow, all right, I have another question for us, Dave. Sure. Dave, why do you believe the Bible to be true? You know, I, I'm going to give a very simple answer on this that um, people maybe don't think I'm... Well, I believe the Bible because I don't have any reason not to. <laughs> Interesting. Um, <laughs> as I've read it over, I don't know, I think at least 20-some years of being an active reader of the Bible... Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't have any real issues with anything that is in there. I don't. I don't see major contradictions. I don't see um, 
I don't have any reason not to believe it. And in my own personal life, my, my walk with Jesus and um, just what I've experienced, it, it holds true for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could give you all kinds of, uh, well, the canonization of it and, you know, blah, 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 but it works for me. And I don't have any reason to not. And yes, I've read other things like the Torah. Um, I've, I've studied other religions as well. And um, Christianity is what I believe, and uh, it's ultimately what I've landed on, and I don't have any reason to not believe uh, what the Bible says. Now, are there some pretty crazy things in there? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And there, there are tensions of, I think we've talked about that over the, our previous episodes of, um, well, it says this, and, you know, is it a literal translation? Is it, uh, is it challenging sometimes? Absolutely. I think it's it's fundamental to personally why I'm doing uh, this podcast and why I feel like we get together each week is because I believe that Christianity is a thinking faith. I don't think God expects to turn our brain off and blindly accept um, what what our parents told us, what the church tells us. Um, uh, I think He wants us to believe, to seek Him, to read His Word. Uh, to listen to the Holy Spirit, and I do believe that God reveals Himself and speaks to us through uh, the Bible. Yeah, I would agree that that reading the Bible is a uh, thinking activity. Like anyone that that claims that you know you don't need your brain to uh, follow the Bible has clearly not read it <laughs> uh, enough. Um, there is like even on just our last episode. Yes. When we were talking about those two verses about forgiveness at, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, like we were both just kind of like, well, crap. Like <laughs> we were struggling with, with understanding and, and wrapping our brains around it. Um, and, and it requires us just to think and to wrestle and, and to seek the truth. So we've got another our, question. Our, our friend from Texas is signing off. So we appreciate you joining us today. He has yeah, to go awesome. prepare some pig butts oh. so i'm truly jealous that <laughs> yeah that uh, does sound really good <laughs> we're not going to be able to uh partake of the pig butts and um remember that jesus loves midgets so <laughs> <laughs> uh, that might have been the best first opening question of a podcast of all time <laughs> does jesus or does god hate midgets so anyways no, um, our midgets the devil oh our midgets the devil that's right they no. are not so no um but back to the uh why I guess why I believe the Bible to be true. Um, I have uh, done. Come on down, and we'll get some pig butts. God bless. All right. All right. <laughs> Somewhere in te- it's it's small enough of a state we can find you yeah. within at least a day. Uh, but why I believe the Bible to be true, um, along with your answer of just reading it and reading it and reading it over the course of my life. Um, and testing what it says and, and finding a lot of it um, that I understand to be true. But also, on the other side, my, my education. I have a four-year uh, undergraduate degree in biblical studies and a two-year master's degree in biblical studies. And so learning the Greek and doing the translations myself and knowing the um, the number of scrolls and the the dates within which they were possibly written, um, 
you know, the Bible, the New Testament especially, has more um, extant copies at a closer date than any other piece of literature from that era. Right. And, you know, you can try and blow holes in it all you want, but the, the point of the matter is any any piece of literature from the surrounding centuries of when the New Testament was written has fewer extant scrolls that are from much, much further away from the origin date of writing. And that, to me, is just kind of like... A, you just kind of I look at that as a Christian and see God's hand all over that. Like this one period of time, I'm gonna make sure one book has tens, if not hundreds, of copies within twenty to thirty years mm-hmm. of original writing, and everything else from that decade is gonna be two hundred years off with maybe one or two copies. Right. Um, and then you get into the whole, well, what is it? Is the has the transmission been trustworthy? Well, if you take a look at the scrolls that were found at Qumran. Yep. Um, and you look about. at what we have today, they're like 98.5% accurate or some absurd amount of accuracy. And that, that variance, that 1% to 3% variance, is in verses where nothing integral to what Christianity is about is had. So in the verses where there is some textual variance, it is nothing about Jesus' death, resurrection, and uh, our salvation. It is nothing about how God created the world, none of that stuff. Um, so I, I sort of strike the balance between I have read scripture and I've tested it and I've seen it as true and, oh yeah, I've got this historical and scientific data to back up the fact that it's been transmitted about as accurately as humanly possible, right. which is pretty impressive considering how long ago it was written. So, And I'm going to do a little bit of just translation here. The Dead Sea Scrolls yeah, is what we're talking about. Yeah, And those were found... In the 1940s, so less than 100 years ago, basically modern modern world, and they basically jive with these translations. Yeah. They sat in a cave been, for almost 2,000 years. And, and we find them, and they're like, oh, look, this matches what our translations have said mm-hmm. over uh, generation, from one generation to the next. So there's that consistency. There's kind of like this little litmus test that we were given in the middle of the 20th century, and it, it held true. So... Um, you know, it was uh, interesting, uh, went to church this morning and, and they were using the message, which is a, what, a thought for thought translation and maybe I even, think, yeah, that's like the, maybe the even phrase. M- more generous than that in it's, terms of thought of, it's definitely kind of, a paraphrase, a paraphrase, but it, even, even in that, I, I will occasionally compare that with my, uh, NIV or English Standard Version. Is that right? English Standard mm-hmm. Version? Okay. I call it the extra sexy version. <laughs> but that's just because they come in nice leather bound books. Uh, it's little... You know, when I do read those three <laughs> translations together, there's consistency in them. And the message will sometimes just make me go, oh, okay. I, I wasn't quite picking up on that, but I do think mm-hmm. that that's, that is true to what is the intent here. Now, would I just read the messages in my Bible? Probably not. But... Yeah. Um, anyway alright well anyone listening if you have questions please share them otherwise we're going to think continue down our little uh, line of questions that we prepared in, in case of just this instance but if you have questions or you disagree with us or you agree with us let us know we're here we're live alright Dave yes what differentiates Christianity from other world religions? 
I believe that the central difference between Christianity and other religions is that uh, Jesus, as we started kind of our podcast off with here, is that Jesus is God incarnate. He was flesh. He was fully man, fully God, lived in this world, and uh, he died for our sins. And by dying for our sins, he paid the price for us uh, because we would not have been able to get into heaven by our own merit. And that is where I think you can see some of the the things that other world religions will say is there's got to be kind of this effort on your part. Mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, Islam, uh, there's the five pillars. And I got to, you know, visit Mecca and I got to give of my alms and, you know, all these things that if I do these five things, then I'll, I'll get... Uh, to heaven and then even uh with things like uh you know hinduism um how much of it we can do on our own uh i think there's definitely effort in there but there's a sense of becoming a higher uh uh being connected with the higher consciousness and if you don't get it right well you get to come back again again until you get it right so um i guess i don't want to completely go on a a world religion lesson here uh but I think the main difference is, is we are dependent on grace for our salvation in Christianity. And Jesus Christ dying on the cross provided that for us. Yeah, so. I would say that the, the simplest way that I can explain the difference between Christianity and other world religions, and that even, you know, I would include atheism here, is that Christianity is the only religion where our effort doesn't matter. In, in, the, in the sense of we cannot earn... A good outcome no the 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 good outcome that that all religions seek even atheism you know the the happy life on earth i'm going to do what makes me happy and and is right by other people and, and that sort of stuff the only the only religion that that does not rely on our own efforts for that good outcome is christianity because as you said we rely on the grace of god through christ's death and resurrection on the cross to achieve that good outcome for us and it's not because we've done anything um it's simply based upon his desire um, to be with the people he created. Yeah, which I've never really thought about it before, but it's interesting to me that none of the world religions have have even really imitated that. You know, that your salvation is only... Well, but why would they? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, my thinking is, and, and I believe other world religions to be false... You know, hate me all you want. Um, I think Christianity is true, which by default means that other religions are false. Um, if you look at everything in the world, you are judged almost all the time based on your performance. Sure. So, so why would worldly religions judge you on anything but your performance? Yeah. That's what makes Christianity so subversive and so different. That's why when Jesus came, they were like, No, you're wrong, we're gonna kill you. Because <laughs> yes. you don't you don't fit with how the world works. And that's the whole point. Jesus doesn't fit with how the world works because the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Mm-hmm. And they're doing and the reason they're doing that is because they're doing things the way that Christ says they shouldn't be done. And so when you read what Christ says in in the scriptures, there's the reason there's friction between what he says and what your experience in the world is, because the world is a fallen place. And people are idiots, Christians included. We do dumb me stuff. Me included. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, me. I am. I do dumb stuff. All just ask my wife. I do dumb things. I say dumb things. I, you know, 
Uh, I am not perfect. I'm a hypocrite. I struggle. I sin. Um, but the Bible addresses that. You know, in, in my side podcast, I mentioned that this week in Romans 7, Paul says, the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, I don't. You know, he, he wrestles with that, um, the desire to do godly things, but the struggle of sinning and not doing godly things in that inner turmoil that follows of God is good and God has saved me, but I still do stupid stuff. And it's, it's something I think that we all wrestle with. So yes, I struggle with vanity. (laughs) I'm a very handsome man. (laughs) Uh, For those of you not watching the live stream, Dave was just checking himself out on the periscope screen. So, I do like looking at myself. <laughs> I also like getting old. Really? You yeah. like getting old? Yeah. I'm okay with it. I realize that's not a popular, that's not a common, like, I'm okay with getting old. It's my boyish good looks, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, complete see, tangent here. I'm not so much afraid of getting old as I am as afraid of getting bald. Yeah, see, I, look at that hair. Woof. 44 years old, full head of hair. <laughs> no male pattern baldness either. No, I'll, I'll, I'll be there by 34. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm, I, re- I already have gray hair. I'm 28. And I now that have I do hair. hair. Not so much can you but see there. I would rather go gray than go bald just because my head is large and square. Yes. So bald is just not going to be a good look for me. Well, and scripturally, it says gray hair is a sign of wisdom. <laughs> uh, but uh, was it... Uh, was it... Uh, who was it? Was it? Uh, I'm drawing a blank on who was called Baldhead, Baldhead, and then he, the little kids were calling him Baldhead, Baldhead, and then the he sucked, the, he was sending the bear after him. That's in the Bible. Uh, that's in the Bible. Baldhead, Baldhead. Are you sure that's not in the Apocrypha? Dave? It might be in the Apocrypha, along with the raisin cakes and the dragon. Yes, Bell and the dragon. So, uh, I know I'm completely taking us on. Uh, Anyways, while, while Dave is looking that up, I will say that uh, for those of you that are still listening, um, thank you so much. This is, uh, oh, my sister just said that we were both very handsome. So. Oh, that's nice of Katie, you, you win the uh, <laughs> Best Sister Award. Rachel, you got to step your game up. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble for that. If you want to uh, get in contact with us, you can on Twitter at MasterclassFM. Uh, if you want to talk to Dave about his vanity issues, you can get him at 108HBO. That's T-E-N, the number 8HBO, or I am at Cam Brennan. Um, also, you can email us at MasterclassFM at gmail.com. Again, we tell you these things not so that you you know can make us feel good by following us. We really... Um, oh, Katie, 2 Kings 2.23. You just got trumped by my sister. <laughs> Katie, I, hey, Katie, you're the co-host for the next show. And I'm absolutely <laughs> fine with that because she's going She's got. She's going to seminary. No, that's right? Rachel. Oh, that's Rachel. Katie's the one that's getting her PhD in oh, immunology. Well, see, okay, you're getting your PhD, so I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just a police officer. Very smart. So anyways. Uh, I'm having way too much fun looking at myself now. <laughs> We tell you that just so you can get in contact sorry, with us. I'm sorry, Katie. I didn't mean to confuse you with Rachel. Because we want to talk with you. We want to get to know new people, and this is a fun way to do it. So, anyways. In fact, Katie's getting a PhD from this very school right here. University oh, of that's Michigan. that's more impressive. University of Michigan. So, what would you say it was? It was Go Second Blue. Kings? Second Kings 223 is what... See, what does it say, Dave? 
Okay. He went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. And he turned around, and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. <laughs> from there, he went on to Mount Carmel, and from there, he returned to Samaria. Who's he? That doesn't answer the question. Oh, uh, it's Elisha. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, Second Kings, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah Elisha. So, Elisha, L-I... S-H-A, not Elijah. Okay, so should we talk about cursing little boys and having she-bears eat them to death? Because that seems kind of rough. I told you the Bible is very interesting, so... There's some weird stuff. There's some crazy things, so... Well, that's kind of like Jesus sending the, the farmer's pigs into the pond, except that no boys were murdered by angry bears. Yes. Wow. Bald head, bald head. Maybe we should follow up on that next episode, because I, I feel like I need to do some research on that. Yeah, and when he turned around, he cursed them in the name of the Lord, and two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. So we're going to assume they didn't die. They just tore them. I, I, you know, I'm all for, like, the industriousness of the human body, but if I'm getting torn by a bear, <laughs> chances are I'm their lunch or dinner. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to assume that those those little boys all died. Yes. So, wow. Well, thank you, Katie. That was nice of you to. <laughs> no, but we will we will uh, we will follow up on that next week for episode 17, because that's a really bizarre story, and I want to know more about it. <laughs> so, anyhow, uh, any final questions before we depart and go about our Sunday afternoons? I don't think so. Katie says, do follow up on the bear thing. It's so ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) I told you we would. We will. We will do follow up on the bear thing. All right. Well, sounds good. In that case, I have some studying to go do. So thank you so much for listening to episode 16 of the Masterclass and for tuning in on Periscope. This was a fun little experiment. It was fun. Perhaps we'll do it in the future. Who knows? Anyways, Dave? It's uh, just been good to be with everybody and appreciate those that uh, tuned in and uh, participated with us today. All right. You can find the show notes for this discussion at masterclassfm.com slash 16. Have a lovely day, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.